Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. HudsonRiverRadio.com. A subsidiary of Glacier Entertainment, LLC. Potentially successful multi-hundred dollar corporation. It wasn't my fault. It was a Pergadan. If you ask me, that stuff rots your brain. And I'll wait for my new sponsor. Burkadan! Oh, crap! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll! This is the Rock and Roll History Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show. We're finally back after a short little break. I'm Brian Horowitz, and we're glad you uh, you all joined us. And all the Crambones are back, and I think everybody has stories to, to catch everybody up onto what's going on. But, of course, before we hop in, allow me to introduce them one at a time. First and foremost, from the Richter Observatory, the first time he saw a universal remote control, he thought, well, this changes everything. <laughs> Neil Richter oh. is here. Oh, Neil. <laughs> uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. That's right. <laughs> and here I am, same as I ever was. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? And from Paranormally Yours, she learned that the difference between black-eyed peas and chickpeas is that one is a group that can sing us a tune, and the other can only hum us one. Arc. Gail Newcomb. Hi, Gail. Ooh. Okay. Brian. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. From the silver screen, she's finally back. She saw an old-school Roman walk into a bar, hold up two fingers, and say, five beers, please. <laughs> Mercedes Kent is back. <laughs> Welcome back, Mercedes. Thank you. And I'll take that that five beers right about now. Yeah, when when, when we're done, because I know what you you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna pace yourself. Right? <laughs> oh, what fun done? are you? Are we, are we really? No, we're not. We're not. Uh, joining us from his bunker tonight, instead of being here in the studio, he had a strange dream that he was swimming in an ocean of orange soda. Turns out it was just a fantasy. Oh. John Kelly's here. Oh. Wow, that was good. Hey, everybody. Hey, John. Hope you're all doing good. <laughs> Brian. <clears throat> excuse me. Brian, everybody, yep, good uh, to be back. Oh, welcome to manhood. We just heard the change right there. <laughs> <laughs> and last, certainly not least, from her secret bunker, she learned... That smaller babies may be delivered by stork, but the bigger ones need a crane. Becky, oh. Becky. <laughs> hey everybody, happy Friday! Happy Friday! Happy Friday! Thank goodness. Yeah. 
And happy belated 4th of July because we missed that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we were away. We went to the Shenandoah National Park in that area, Lorraine, nice. Virginia. It was really nice. Really great trip. Got to uh, got to see Cooter from Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> and if Very you're watching cool. on Twitch, we have a Boar's Nest sign hanging up now <laughs> for the Dukes ah, of Hazard fans. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. Signed, oh, okay. Signed by Cooter. Oh, it's nice. Up there. Right? Oh, nice. A little bit of memorabilia. Yeah, it was a good trip, (laughs) except for about an hour of it was a problem. Because we did a a tubing trip down the Shenandoah River. Mm -hmm. It was about a three-mile tubing trip, about three hours, give or take long. A three-hour tour. (laughs) Which should have been the first (laughs) sign (laughs) that something wasn't going to go right, right? So the first hour was good. The last hour was was pretty good. That middle, not so much, because we're floating down the river happy. We had one of those cooler tubes full of beverages Okay. attached to my tube. And uh, in the second hour, it started to rain. All right, mm-hmm. you're already in the water. It's, you're getting wet, so be it. But then the thunder came in, and the lightning came in. That's and scary. The torrential mm. downpour came in. Oh. And you have nowhere to go because you're floating on a tube yeah, and in the was, middle of the river. <laughs> there was an actress's Whoops. husband just recently got killed by lightning being on a boat out in the middle of the water and there's nowhere you can go. Yeah, there's no nothing you can do. No. So, you know, the wind was starting to blow and it started to push us back upstream. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so then you start, you know, doggy paddling the best you can, sitting in a tube. And I got the cooler attached to me. So every time the current changes, you bump into a rock, the cooler got caught mm. and spun you. Oh my God. <laughs> So, and then eventually that went away. So there was about an hour of, of terror in there a little bit, you know, but. <laughs> Is any, 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 of, any of this on video or on camera? Can, None of it, you... and I'm going to deny. <laughs> <laughs> I was very concerned about the cooler. I, the cooler made it. <laughs> not a problem. Okay. okay Just good. to be clear, all non-alcoholic beverages, they don't let you drink while you're doing right. this. It was all seltzers and, and chocolate milk. No. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so everybody, uh, everybody made it from one end to the other with, with a little bit of a that's an adventure in the middle. Scary, yes. So, other than that, it was a really nice trip. So, and it wears off in about thirty minutes once you get home. Oh, of and course. Then you're just back to reality. Yeah, 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 yep. So, anybody else? John, you went away. Yeah, I did. I uh, was uh, went to Ireland for eight days. Had a lovely trip and. Uh, was able to see those cliffs you see behind me in the screen here uh, from the uh, viewpoint of the ocean. As I was saying off air, 10 years ago in Ireland, I was uh, sitting on the very edge of those cliffs at the top. And now on this trip, I saw them from a boat from the very bottom. But it was a, a lovely week in the Emerald Isle. Excellent. Yes. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Everybody else just hung in the backyard? I was working. Mm. Sorry. I played a caramore with the Westchester Symphony. Oh, Queen. yeah. Right. Hey, Becky, how did it go? It went really well. Um, did you yeah. get the recording? I didn't get the recording yet, but um, I am on the board of the ensemble. We have a meeting this week, and we have some exciting news coming up about how you can get the recordings. Which oh, nice. I'm not going to say until it's out in public, but it'll be pretty cool. And pretty rock and roll. So, which doesn't sound like anything a band would do, <laughs> you know, like a wind band. Yes. But you'll see what I mean when the time comes. And we'll okay. just leave it at that kind so of mysterious. Are Becky autographed copies going to be available? Is there a poster that goes with it? Um, 
Well, you know, I could probably make a post well, and, and, and liner there notes. You go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and available, then I could actually available on our Etsy store. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe. maybe I was thinking I'll just I'll just edit out the rest of the band so you can just hear me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just the wind band. crop you in the picture, crop the rest of the band out, and just you on one track by yourself and sign yep. autographs. Iso isolate the track, and there it is. <laughs> then you'll get to sing the melody like by yourself because everybody out there in Radio Land knows I'm a bass clarinetist, so mm -hmm. I never get the melody. <laughs> I, I sometimes get it, but most of the time, you know, I don't, so you'll have to sing it in your head. <laughs> I, I totally get it. I, I mm -hmm. sing alto, so I totally get it. Yeah, I had the melody a couple times. Um, actually, you know what was really cool? We started the concert um, with the national anthem, and the conductor encouraged everybody to, well, you know, it's it's tradition to stand and 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 sing the national anthem and you know place your hand over your heart and stuff like that. Um, anyway, people actually got up and sang, and I was on stage playing with the rest of the group, and I thought, wow, people are singing. It was so cool. Um, so that was really neat. It was very very hot that day too, so I was Ugh. kind of melting. <laughs> I see Kitty. Neil's got his Aww. kitty. Oh, I'm so excited to see a whole video of just you. Oh, uh, playing on stage <laughs> at Caramel? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you actually have to go to Caramel and see it live. I it's do. Much better. I, do. I do. And if you yeah. haven't been, it's it's a beautiful place. It's worth going. Yeah, so it is. Very it's, it's it's a, It was really beautiful. Um, we also did the... Um, armed forces salute so <laughs> this is also funny because it has all the the songs for the armed forces and um he, the conductor told the audience you know if you're a veteran or active um please stand when you hear your song your branches song and uh, he told them the order and he, he said he would tell them the army song started first so that people would be ready and so the minute we played our first note. All these people stood up. Oh my god! But it wasn't oh, cool. it wasn't one of their songs yet. But I was oh. like, "That's cool," uh, you know. It was like a little quote of Dixie in there, or some other thing. It's you know, it's a medley, so it has all these other little tunes here and there weaved in. But it was cool just to see the audience so engaged. And I never thought that that would be possible with a wind band concert, but it was this Fourth of July. So I was very grateful for everybody who came and um, participated. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. Is there another cool. concert scheduled? Or is it Actually, uh, we will be, we ended our season with the Pops and Patriots and our next season begins in November uh, with a concert at Tarrytown Music Hall. It's going to oh. be a tribute to Adolph Sachs, who was the founder of the saxophone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it sounds like rock and roll history, like a tribute to Adolph Sachs. And everybody's going, who is that? um yeah <laughs> somebody had to invent it right yeah, yeah. yes actually yeah. adolf sax he, he invented the saxophone i and he... i didn't know that i didn't I, just, I didn't know where they came up with that I, you know, yeah I, I, had no idea. I didn't i didn't know that and it makes obvious perfect sense but yeah you know. mm -hmm. you'll That's learn right. something new every time you listen to this show yep yes, yes. that is our I goal had no, i i'm serious i mean that sincerely because i had never heard of that before so 
Thank you, Gail. Uh, Gail, I'm sorry. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Becky. I'm a little off here tonight. Forgive me. That, that is okay. Yeah. Yep. Tribute to Adolf Sax. He invented the saxophone, and he also did a lot to um, uh, kind of bring my instrument into the modern era, bass clarinet. Um, so anyway. Well, it's a good thing he had a cool name. Yeah, Jeez, Adolf yeah. Sax. If his last name was Dork, he'd be playing the Dorkaphone. <laughs> the Dorkaphone, that's right. Oh, mm-hmm. Or if his last name was like Wiener Schnitzel or something. The Wiener Schnitzel phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. The Schnitz for short. <laughs> Yeah. Schnitzophone. Yeah. Go get your schnitz. <laughs> or, or, or if his last name was something like Oberscheisenhauser Pumpenfuehrer, that would be really bad. That would be and most all- unfortunate. Yeah, especially if anybody understood what I just said. But. And off the rails we go. Uh-huh. Or, just, or just Horowitz. Oh, that's bad enough. Uh, the Horowitzophone? That's bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shall right. we jump in to tonight's yeah, topic? Not? Why not? This was just a result of uh, going down a, a trivia website rabbit hole, and I started reading stuff that was interesting, and I went, no kidding, without using the word kidding. And I went, you know what? Maybe this is a topic for the show, stuff that just struck you as so interesting that it kind of made you go, well, eh, no kidding. And here we are. So I had uh, I narrowed it down to two, and I couldn't decide between the two which one I wanted to do. So I'm doing both because I'm the one sitting at the board and really nobody has any, any, any say in the matter. So I thought I'd lead off with a short example of what I'm talking about. And then we'll, uh, we'll, as usual, we'll go around the room. So uh, we are going to start off by going back to the late 1950s. And we're going to talk about a guitarist by the name of Billy Strange. Uh, he had made a name for himself, both in the studios in LA and on the live concert circuit by this time. Billy was one of a number of musicians who uh, made up the informal group known as the Wrecking Crew, who we've talked about a bunch of times, the studio musicians in L.A. that have played on pretty much every hit record from the 60s and 70s. Um, They were anonymous to the public, but they were very well-known and in demand to record producers because they were able to just churn out quality products much, much quicker than most of these bands uh, could do. Uh, The bands got the credit, but the Wrecking Crew were the people that actually played on the recordings. Um... So one night in 1961, while Billy Strange was on the road with his bandmates in between gigs, um, they were listening to the radio, and they heard a song by a country singer named Wayne Rainey. And the song is called, We Need a Whole Lot More of Jesus and a Lot Less (laughs) Rock and Roll. And it has unnecessary parentheses around the and a lot less rock and roll, which I absolutely hate. I hate songs that have those unnecessary. Either put it in the title or don't put it in the title, but that's another topic anyway. So Strange absolutely hated the song and made sure he, everybody in the car with him knew that he hated the song. Um, I do too. So I'm going to share just the first verse with you guys, and I think that'll be uh, enough to make my point. So let me play okay. the first verse for you, and then I'll get your opinion. So uh, this is We Need a Whole Lot More of Jesus by Wayne Rainey. Whole lot more of Jesus. 
I think that's enough for now, right? Yes, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, okay. yes <laughs> certainly. Mercedes, you're so polite. <laughs> <laughs> so now, just to be clear, it's you know like the Jesus thing, mm-hmm. not a problem. You do you. Yeah. You know, Jew do right. Jew, whatever. <laughs> Everybody do their thing. Um, the twingy twanginess. Remember a couple of weeks ago we we talked about uh, the big number twos. I played a, a song by Jim Reeves. Um, that was an example of the Nashville sound where Nashville purposely moved away from this twingy twanginess to become a little bit more sophisticated and away from this nasaliness. That kind of drives me a little bit nuts, but I can deal with it. But it's the uh, the parentheses in the title that just really pushes me over the edge. There's no that, that's, the, that's what you have the issue with. <laughs> that's what I had the issue with with that song. Not 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 the rest of it. Which, not the rest of it, right? No. So anyway, okay. Billy Strange and the bandmates heard this song in the car. Billy hated it and told the rest of the band, he said he could write a better song than that in five minutes. Before he finished that sentence, another band member whipped out a $100 bill and took him up on the challenge and said, hop to it. They're on the road. All the instruments are packed up. They have nothing. So Billy Strange took out a score pad, kind of hummed a melody to himself, and from his mind, wrote it down. No instruments didn't play it, just from, mm-hmm. just from his memory, knowing what it would sound like. And he called this new song Monotonous Melody. <laughs> Everybody had a good laugh when he sang it back to the band. So... Um, turns out everybody agreed it was actually better than we need a whole lot more Jesus just from humming it back to everybody and Strange pocketed his $100. Uh, he tossed the score pad aside and basically forgot about the song for a while until the owner of a new music business uh, publishing company asked him if he had anything worthwhile to record. So they're like, yeah, well, we had this thing. So Strange and his bandmates cut a demo of the song. It took them about an hour because they were professionals. They handed it over. And he didn't hear anything for a few weeks, which is not unusual in the music business, because just like now, people will just ghost you instead of calling you back and saying no thanks. So he didn't think uh, much about it until one day he got a phone call from a guitarist and producer named Dave Burgess. Burgess was the leader of a band called The Champs. Um, They made it big in 1958 with the single Tequila. Yes. Which was, of course, made popular Mm -hmm. a second time by the one and only Pee Wee Herman in the 80s. (laughs) And the big shoe dance. And the big shoe dance. (laughs) So Burgess asked Strange if he could rename the song, and Billy Strange said he didn't really care what it was called. Go ahead, knock yourself out. So the champs recorded their version of the song, which actually made it into the top 40. So let me play you a clip from this, see if this sounds familiar, and see if you can figure out what they renamed it to. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Sound familiar? Yes. 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 <laughs> How low yes, can you go? How low <laughs> can you go? That's right. They renamed it as Limbo Rock. <laughs> of course. Right? So now by this time, that song already hit the top 40s. Chubby Checker um, had pretty much run its course with the twist. That was a, you know, that was a big thing, but it was old by then. And uh, Checker's manager, John Sheldon, thought that Limbo Rock could be the next big dance craze. But it needed catchy lyrics for Chubby Checker to sing because right now it was just an instrumental. So and it was all about dance crazes back then. And it was yes. dance crazes. And yeah. like the twist, um, the twist was popular because parents were okay with it because people were dancing separate. They weren't touching each right. other. It was very easy to do, and everybody could say separate. So it was okay. Same thing with the limbo. Everybody got in a line, 
you go bang your head on the pole and then you're, you're out or whatever. <laughs> so the limbo was okay too. So uh, Chubby Checker's manager called Billy Strange and asked for permission to add lyrics to the song. Again, Billy Strange didn't really care. Told Sheldon, do whatever you want with it. I should say, Billy Strange didn't care what anybody did with the song until his first royalty check showed up in the amount of $63,000. Wow. Back then. A, a, a little more than $100. Wow. A little more well, than $100, $100 he pocketed he got on for the making bet. this yeah. song up out of his head on the road. That's so, phenomenal. What, what did he call it? Monotonous? He called it monotonous melody <laughs> because it just repeated over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he didn't make that wasn't monopoly money he that's making, right, right? No. <laughs> so renamed and retooled as limbo rock and done by chubby checker and done by the champs just the first check was 63 grand nice in the 1960s mm. i have no idea what that would be now a lot suddenly billy strange cared a little bit more about that song <laughs> there you go <laughs> for some reason right and it took him five minutes to write and there you go wow wow right Yep. There you go. That's so cool. w when mom and dad tell you to sit down and take your music lessons, sit down and take your music lessons. So it's worth yeah. it. There you go. All right. Uh, Mercedes, would you like to uh, share what you have? I, I would love to share what I have. <laughs> uh, my song for today's show is by a band called Fastball, formed in 1994 in Austin, Texas, and the band combined, according to Wikipedia, melodic Beatle-inspired pop with the alternative aesthetic of late 90s mainstream rock. Um, the single that we're going to be talking about is The Way, which was a top five hit on Billboard's Top 40. Um, incidentally, in America, the way wasn't sold as a single, which was a ploy to force listeners to buy an album, and it worked, and they sold over a million copies in the U.S. The song was written by the band's lead vocalist, Tony Scalzo, and what is the most interesting about the song is that he was inspired to write the song in 1997 after reading a news article in the Austin American Statesman with the headline, Elderly Salado couple missing <laughs> on a trip to nowhere about Leela and Leela and Raymond Howard, oh, okay. who were an elderly couple who had disappeared in Texas. Um, because of their condition at the time, the outcome was not probably not good. But um, as as Scott. Galzo read, uh, he was moved to imagine a romantic alternative. He said, I was thinking maybe they just wanted to get away from their responsibilities and get back to the time when they were young lovers. He imagined for the couple that they had found a way to cheat death and live on, which is a damn good idea in my book. Mm -hmm. um, the couple had been driving to a local festival, uh, Pioneer Day in Temple, Texas, that they went to every year. They were both on their second marriage, and according to their son, they were, quote-unquote, united through a love of the church and the late-in-life lust to live. Damn, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> How old were they at this point? 88 and 83. Okay. Nice. Wow. All right. Late in life, lust to live. I, I know, like that right? quote. Right? That's good. <laughs> yeah. Raymond's, Raymond's daughter said it was one of those kinds of relationships you don't really see happen that late in life. I think they actually fell in love with each other. Raymond, who was 88, had recently had brain surgery. And um, Leela, uh, 83, was showing symptoms of memory loss. 
her granddaughter said she started noticing a few things. She'd leave something on the, Leela would leave something on the stove and um, she said we'd be fixing her hair and I'd say, I need to go back and check on whatever was on the stove. And she'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. The family had concerns about them driving and tried hiding their car keys, but their son said she called me crying and said she couldn't find her keys and I couldn't stand to hear her cry. Um, so he eventually like relented and gave her the keys back. He said, I could feel how hurt she was. Uh, Leela was uh, most often the driver and was a good driver, even with the memory loss issues. So when it came time for Pioneer Day, Leela's son offered to go with them, but Leela said, no, no, we'll be fine. And besides, it was only a 15 minute drive. Pioneer Day, according to Wikipedia, is an official holiday. It commemorates the entry of Brigham Young and the first group of Mormon pioneers into the Salt Lake Valley in 1874. So it's a, a Latter-day Saints thing. I believe there's parades and fireworks and stuff like that. But in another article, it was described as a fiddling festival. So I'm a little bit confused about that. And there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of information out there about this at all because it was pre-internet so it's a little right. bit sketchy right. yeah if you didn't get the local news article because right. that, that wouldn't have gone much further than texas you right know? right missing couple makes sense so they they usually stayed till about 3 p.m and it got to be five and then it got to be eight and the family got really worried and they called the police uh they had gotten pulled over one time by a cop who questioned them but he let them go um then he they got pulled over by another cop in uh, Arkansas. They were driving without their headlights and the cop flicked the headlights on for the couple and then let them go. Both stops had occurred before the missing persons report was entered on the crime computer at 10.46 p.m. The search eventually intensified as, uh, you know, it just got bigger and bigger. They they started combing uh, back roads and brush areas and posted flyers and questioned civilians in a very large area. And then they brought in helicopters and the search grew to a thousand miles from Salado, Texas. Days later, another newspaper article was published in, also in the Austin American Statesman. Uh, making the front page, and that article's editor stopped by the Howard's house, and according to her, the signs of the couple's mental decay was obvious. There was folded clothes still laying on the couple's bed as if they were starting to pack for, to go away. The television was unplugged, and her hearing aids were left behind in the bathroom and uh, toiletries, and... Um, even though the month was currently July, I don't know why they make a big deal about this. Even though the month was currently July, the Howard's calendar was still open on the page for February. It, don't come to my house if that bothers you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep the pages up that I think are pretty. Um, but most notably, the Howard's cat, Happy, was left behind mm. like with no food. Hmm. But Tony, Tony Scalzo, the writer of the song, chose to imagine that they began reminiscing and decided to become what he called a lethal, a ethereal, <laughs> ethereal beings on a permanent romantic trip. Um, 
which is the answer to the song, the question in the song, where were they going without ever knowing the way? Uh, also, mm. he wrote the song before they were discovered, which I didn't know. And I thought that was really interesting. Wow. They were discovered by two by hikers two weeks later, two weeks later, two weeks later, um, dead at the mm. bottom of a 25 foot, foot cliff near Hot Springs, um, Arkansas, hundreds of miles off their route. Wow. From what I can tell, it was 414 approximately miles. I've read a couple of different scenarios. One, the car broke down and they continued on foot. And the other one is they drove right off the cliff. It, it, cliff. it sounds like it sounds more like the second one. Um, Two weeks is actually not that bad for a lot of these cases. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's really crazy. not. That's something Linda and I discuss on, on Burner in the Hudson mm -hmm. Valley. That it, think about when you're driving the road. If somebody goes over a bridge, when you can't see. Right. When you go over the bridge, you can't see the bottom of it. You know, if somebody goes down a ravine or yeah. off into the woods, yeah, you're not looking. Right. That you, that, you that was stated it. in one of the articles that they had originally looked in that location but didn't see them. Yeah, mm. yeah. And God forbid yeah. a car gets submerged in the water. Oh, forgot it's it. It's almost impossible uh, to find. So, yeah. Although nowadays we have drones and things that they can use if they have any idea where to look yeah but even if it's underwater it only takes what two feet of lake water and you're not going to really see yeah. through that yeah so it's it's tough it's it's you know people say oh my god you know they're right next to the road well mm. it, it's not as simple as that no you know, it's not always easy to find somebody let's play the that. song all right let's play the song let's do it
The Howard's family didn't initially know that the way was about Leela and Raymond, but hmm. the similarities were pretty apparent. And um, the son thought that's exactly what happened. That's what they did. They Aww. just drove away. I, this I can't I can't even. Oh, my God. This makes me so emotional. Uh, he said, I liked it. I really did. I liked the song a hmm. lot. Um, I was just blown away that um, I just couldn't believe that somebody would do that. The, the, sorry, the granddaughter said I was just blown away. Couldn't believe somebody would do something like that for my grandmother. Um, she said powerful, very powerful. Uh, one of the cousins said Leela left a star. She was a star on. she was on TV all the time. There was a song about her. She would have loved that. Mm -hmm. and, Mercedes, uh, when when was this written again? Ninety eight. I think it was released in 98. I think it I think it happened in 97. I remember hearing this on the radio all the time, oh, yeah. but I, was, I never yeah, knew yeah. the name so of it. High rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was super tasteful that they did. The video is very abstract. There's mm -hmm. no there's nothing about the story, the tragic story. Um, mm -hmm. It just shows the band driving into the desert and they arrive at a camper and then dancers come out and the band plays a song. And and that's really sweet. I just this makes me so emotional. That's cool that the family liked it, too. Yeah, I, think, I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I think nowadays that. a lot of people would have the opposite reaction. How dare you? So do well. this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think their reaction is the right one. Yeah. You know, yeah. they saw yeah. it for what it was. So very cool. All right. Well, that makes I don't know. Does that make the song better? <laughs> it makes it more complex. So. It makes definitely it more complex. It makes it heart-wrenching. It does, right? Yeah. When you know yeah. the, the story. So, yep, that and was a all good you one. And all you can think about is happy, the cat, right? More <laughs> <And laughs> happy. Yeah. I guess you could think of it in two ways. Like, I had no idea about the story, so... I always thought it was a really fun and upbeat song yeah. and uplifting. Mm. So you could think about, oh, now that we know the story, that is pretty tragic. Yeah. You could also think of it as, hey, a tragedy can turn into something really uplifting and beautiful. I think mm. like the granddaughter had mentioned, because yeah. it is such a an upbeat song. Yeah, well, they, there, there was they went a, out on top. There was so. another whole section um, in, in an article that by Creepypasta which was super interesting because they were talking about what, you know, the, what were they thinking when they went off the cliff? Were they thinking, oh my gosh, no more hearing aids, no more medical bills, no more doctor's appointment. Let's just fly off this cliff and like, and be happy and fly and glide. And ugh. <laughs> I hope that's what they were thinking. <laughs> I'm going to guess not. <laughs> 
I'm going to guess there were much shorter, much louder words yeah. <laughs> being used at that time. But well, I, do we I know like your version was, better. Was it an accident or was it intentional? They don't. They don't know. Um, they assume that it was an accident that she mm -hmm. didn't see the cliff and mm -hmm. she was just slightly you know she was apparently she had alzheimer's so she she was in the morning she was pretty clear but by evening yeah, sundown yeah the yeah, sundown she, syndrome yeah. had a lot more trouble and and, and your night vision goes first too so if right. she's driving when yeah. it's getting dark then on top of that yeah exactly so i think becky should write a song for the bass clarinet called happy the cat and we can lay that to rest. <laughs> well, imagining what the cat's life was when its owners left. What was mm. the cat thinking? <laughs> I'm hungry. The cat was mad because the cat had no idea what was going on. The cat yeah, was really. very angry. But, but the, the cat was discovered soon after they oh, left, yeah. though, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not like. Well, a few days. I mean, not, yeah. not that day, but yeah. Right. Not, not, not to, you know, throw a spoiler in here, but you're going to love my pick if you like. <laughs> Yeah, That's all mine, I'm going to say. Mine's, yeah, mine's kind of interesting, too. Nice. Excellent. Well, I think uh, Mercedes gets the uh, no kidding thumbs up. That was a good one. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was a good one. Cool. All right. We are going to take our first really quick break, and we're going to be back with uh, Becky's selection for her no kidding song. So stick around. There's more coming up here on the Rock and Roll History Show. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up from the station that reaches the beaches? You're listening to HudsonRiverRadio.com. Oh, baby. What the hell are you doing? Hey everybody, Neil Richter here. Did you know you can sub? Did you know you can now subscribe to all of Hudson River Radio's podcasts, and they're always available right in our Hudson River Radio app. You can hear our podcasts anytime and anywhere. You can also sponsor one of our shows to get your message heard locally and around the world. Just shoot us an email at info at oh sh just shooting eight. Shooting a, shoot my just shoot an email to info at HudsonRiverRadio.com and we'll get you started. That's info at HudsonRiverRadio.com. Subscribe to the Richter Observatory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. This concludes the first part of this cassette. Please turn the cassette over and begin again on side two. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done 
the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. Gail Newcomb from Paranormally Yours here. Seen any weird-looking creatures lately? I mean, besides your co-workers, family, and friends. The Hudson Valley actually is said to have its own water monster, and even possibly Sasquatch. Or is it something else? Join me, Gail Newcomb, for Paranormally Yours. We'll be exploring the unexplained and the mysterious from all around the Hudson Valley. Join me for Paranormally Yours on HudsonRiverRadio.com. Subscribe to Paranormally Yours on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is HudsonRiverRadio.com. And welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show. Tonight we're talking about uh, stories and songs that make you go, uh, no, we're saying no kidding. <laughs> we're going to go with no kidding. <laughs> but uh, it can make you say other things as well. <laughs> as well. <laughs> and uh, we're up to Becky. So what have you got, Becky? Well, you know, I'm glad we're up to me now because uh, mine is not as heavy <laughs> as some of the others. All right, we're going to lighten the mood. <laughs> and it actually did make me say, no kidding, when I read the backstory to this. Um, so my song is by the Go-Go's. Yay. And it is Our Lips Are Sealed. Uh, this song came out, uh, it was released June 12th, 1981. And it's from their album, Beauty and the Beat. Uh, I can remember, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, when this album came out, I was six years old. And <laughs> shut up. Oh. <laughs> Just shut up. Sorry. <laughs> There's a point to it, trust me. Um, so this is not, the, the album itself has the Go-Go's, there's it's like a drawing of the Go-Go's and they're all in towels and, and towels on their head like they're at a spa or something and they have these face masks on. I'm telling you, I used to go into record stores with my dad and, and mom. I think it was Sam Goody. And they I would see this record cover. I was so scared of it just because <laughs> it's like a drawing. They got these these face masks on. Face for our listeners out there, like, you know, like a, you know, face mask for your skin. Facial, right? so like a facial. Yeah. It was yeah. cold, cold, like cream. cold cream. Yeah. Cold cream. Yeah. <laughs> so, no kidding. I was afraid of that. That's my first no kidding. Um, anyway. <laughs> I love this song. Um, I it, so okay. Nineteen eighty one is when it was released. That's when MTV uh, came onto the airwaves, and this uh, video was played quite a bit. And the group is uh, in a car driving around uh, in Los Angeles. They're they wind up in a fountain, bouncing around and having fun. And they wind up, I guess, in front of this famous lingerie store and they're singing and just having a good time. And if you listen to the lyrics um, and you're younger, like I was younger, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, people gossip about other people, whatever. Oh, we don't care. You know, it just kind of just seems like kind of fluffy, uh, if you will. But turns out. Um, the rhythm guitarist for the Go-Go's, Jane Weedlin, um, she said that they were uh, playing at the Whiskey on Sunset Strip, and uh, this group called The Specials heard them, and special, The Specials was a group from the UK. God Band. What's that? A, a Scott Band? Band, yeah. Yeah, so um, 
their lead singer, Terry Hall, uh, had a little relationship with Jane Weedlin, um, but he was already in a relationship with a woman back home in the UK. Uh, so um, he went back to the UK and he mailed her lyrics to this song that was about their relationship. And it was the lyrics to Our Lips Are Sealed. It was just the lyrics. And so Jane said that she finished up the lyrics and wrote the music to it. And that's how the song came to be. I thought, no kidding. So this is a, this is a song about, about their, their relationship. And she said she was very young at the time. She, she called herself a teenager, although she said she was probably 20 at the time. And she said she would never do something like this. You know, now uh, she said, you know, it was just kind of, a teenager kind of thing or a young, young person kind of thing to get involved with someone uh, who was already in another relationship that never happens. Right. <laughs> so that's a joke. Uh, bad attempt from, from another country too. Just, yeah. to add, just to add that little wrinkle to it. Yeah. Right? But um, I don't know. Cause I, I, I guess when I was reading about this um, makes me think of like Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks was always writing songs and she was already always writing songs about her relationship um, with Lindsay Buckingham and stuff. And so many of their songs with Fleetwood Mac were inspired by that relationship. Oh so, my God. And when but, things went sour, she would make him play it on stage. And just <laughs> I was just going to say, Talk yeah. About- <laughs> yep. Nice. So that the ultimate power move right yeah, there. Yeah. You suck was... and you're gonna play a song about how much you suck. <laughs> yeah, like Silver Silver Springs. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Um yeah, so instead of Jane Weedlin sitting sitting there writing about this little relationship, she just got lyrics in the mail. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, that's what people did in the eighties. They'd mail letters mm-hmm. to each other. It's like here you go. Here's here's a little song about our relationship. Here are the lyrics. <laughs> but one thing also, so that that definitely made me say, hmm, no kidding. So it was a song. It's a song about an extra relationship. Um, but the other thing that made me say no kidding is um, the group. They were uh, Jane Weedlin said that she wrote lyrics to songs um, when she was in college. She was studying design and she worked at. Um, a shop she said it was like a sweatshop and she was a pattern maker and she would just write lyrics as they came to her mind and um she was very involved with fashion and she said it would be so cool if she had saved some of those patterns that she made that had like lyrics written all over mm-hmm. um i thought no kidding i didn't know she worked in a in a factory doing patterns um that's pretty cool too anyway so really it's not that heavy but it is about a little extra we'll just call it a little extra relationship <laughs> and that's the story to our lips are sealed let's go ahead and listen to it
that was Our Lips Are Sealed by the Go-Go's. We had a little discussion while we were listening. The name of the lingerie store is Trashy Lingerie. Ooh, it is really? located <laughs> at La Cienega Boulevard. Um, and yes, Jane Weedlin is singing the little bridge, Hush My Darling, Don't You Cry. Uh, she said that she... She never got to sing lead vocals. It was always Belinda Carlisle. And uh, when she asked to sing lead on some songs, uh, she was denied and she left the group. So, um, okay. And then the group broke up. But anyway, uh, so that was that was one thing you can you can tell because you can hear at the bridge. You can hear her singing. Um, She has a beautiful voice. And uh, the other note. Kidding, I found out about the Go Go's is when this was released, they were on tour with the police. Wow, in the summer of 1981, um, they were signed to IRS Records, and their manager was Miles Copeland, the brother of Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer for the police. Yep, no kidding, I didn't know that. So, there you have it. Um if you're watching us on Twitch, uh, my background has nothing to do with our topic. I just, <laughs> I just felt like I needed something kind of zen. And for me, it was uh, this kind of double lava lamp thing going on behind me. If you're watching us and if you're listening in radio land, just imagine, you know, just some nice bubbles coming up. Lava lamp. Count up the no kiddings we've had. So I lost track of how A many lot. no kiddings we've had on just the go-go's. I don't do math on weekends. I do it all week at work. <laughs> Fair yes. enough. So we're going to say more than five. I think yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and, and uh, at I, least five. I was yeah. going to mention too. They they were the first all female group to write and play all the instruments on a number one album. Mm-hmm. That's they, true. They, they played everything. They wrote everything, and and they were the first to have their that record, Beauty and the Beat, go to number one on the charts. You'd think it was maybe you know a band, you know before that, but nope, it didn't. They never went to number one, and, and the Go-Go's took it all the way to the top. Awesome. Trailblazers, the Go-Go's. Very awesome. Cool. Yeah. Impressive. yeah. All right. Uh, no kidding. Thumbs up? Very. I would say. Right? Yeah. yeah. No Excellent. kidding. <laughs> no kidding. They had another one. Someone should be keeping track. So that was very cool. Thank you, Becky. Uh, Gail, you're up. Okay. Let me start by saying I love Warren Zevon's music. But anybody who knows me probably knows I'm obsessed with the song Werewolves of London, which isn't the one I'm going to be talking about. No kidding. <laughs> no There's kidding. Your first one. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no <So>. what? No <laughs> kidding. Oh. But the same album that Werewolves of London was on uh, is the third album that... Warren Zevon put out, and it was called Excitable Boy. Uh, That album, which was put out on Asylum Records in January of 1978, the year I graduated high school. um, I was four. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up, people. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Who cares? I, think uh, I was in my early 20s, so, you know, <laughs> quiet down, be quiet. Uh, so uh, other singles from that album besides Werewolves of London, um, 
are Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which you're probably familiar with. Uh, Johnny strikes up the band and Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, <laughs> which could have been another candidate for this topic. But the song I chose is the album title song, Excitable Boy. And it was written by Leroy Martin Marinell. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. And Warren Zevon. And it was performed by Zevon on piano, Wadi Wachtel on guitar, Bob Glaub on the bass. Glaub means yellow in German. Just like this weird little aside. Um, Russell Kunkel on drums. Jim Horn on the saxophone. And I never knew this. The harmony vocals were Wadi Wachtel, Linda Ronstadt, and Jennifer Warnes. Wow. No Who kidding. Knew? Who That's knew? That's a second new kidding, right? There. Yes, absolutely. So this song is very upbeat and fun sounding unless you listen to the lyrics. <laughs> um, it's kind of dark. It's it's about a juvenile sociopath, and it begins with the guy doing, like, a minor sort of misadventure. Um, he's out to dinner in his best finery, but he rubs the roast beef all over himself, which... As I later found out, Warren Zevon did that at one point. Um, but Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? Is that a, yeah, is that a thing? Like what? What, what? When he was when he was a child as well, or did he do that like <laughs> later on as an adult? You know, I, he did it. For, when... for, for reasons we will only speculate on. <laughs> he, he did it when he was young, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, now, well, that makes it okay, right? <laughs> but but does it does it really? <laughs> no, not at okay. not, not not at all. No. That's called don't play with your food. <laughs> I think they, I think today no. they call it they call it a red flag. Yeah, they, <laughs> if you're gonna play with your food, that's fine. You want to throw you know Cheetos across the room and see if the other person. Yeah, a food fight. A food fight fun. is one thing. But you know, at least make a dress out of it, like Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, really. Even that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't doing know. a doing a Jackson Pollock on your uh, yes. on your uh, tuxedo with, with a, beef and gravy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's a problem there. Kind of, yeah. Sounds sounds like a juvenile tantrum of some sort. Um, <laughs> so yeah, apparently that part he had actually done in his youth, but this psychopath ends up progressing to biting an usherette's leg at, at a public performance and then going to the junior prom with a little Susie and then assaulting her and killing her and bringing her body home. <laughs> it just gets, it gets worse than worse. And, and then it's you hear, dark. Yeah. Then yeah. you, then you hear it. That's a lot more work. It'd be easier to bring her home first. Instead of having to carry yeah, the, uh, kill her, yeah, I get don't know. There. I don't know. I guess he didn't think it through. Beforehand. I guess not. Um, I'm all about efficiency. Right, right. So, so I may have said too much. Then another, <laughs> an, 
a next verse uh, mentions that the psychopath ends up staying in the home for 10 years, and then he gets out and goes and digs up Susie's corpse and um, digs up her bones and makes them into a cage. And the whole song... A cage? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I would think a blood eagle would make more sense, but I don't know. Um, but by then, 10 years later, there's not going to be much left, I would think. Anyway, uh, <laughs> through the awkward silence, in <laughs> speaking <laughs> volumes. <laughs> Was this actually based on a like a you know like some sort of anything? Not yeah. that I could tell. It it was pretty oh, thank much. God. It was because of <laughs> thank the goodness fact, for that. Because of the fact that all through the song, people keep just saying about this psychopath that he's an excitable boy. It kind of makes reference to the fact that in the U.S. all these mental health red flags can happen and people just try to explain it away and, and don't take it seriously. And that's where you get the problems. So let's listen to this upbeat, scary song, and I'll just um, say a couple more things when we are done listening to All it. Right, let's check it out.
Oh, that's so upbeat. And so gross. And the lyrics are just so <laughs> awful. So awful. But but these people keep just putting off this guy as, oh, he's an excitable boy. You know. Uh, upbeat, and cre- uh, upbeat and creepy, maybe? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. True to life, like you were saying, too. Yeah, people just come up with excuses. Yep. But mm-hmm. um, he's just rubbing his roast beef where it shouldn't go. Oh yeah, you know, it, it's just What's a phase. It's just a phase. Yeah. He'll grow out of it. Yeah, he's not gonna shoot up a school or anything. No. no. But uh, the, this narrative is actually an attempt at humor rather than plain horror because of of the irony of all these really horrible things that this person is doing and and. The people just like writing him off. Oh, he's mm. an excitable boy. But um, it helped cement Warren Zevon's persona as a macabre songwriter. I don't know why people think of Werewolves of London as like a macabre. I think it's fun, fun, just fun. Mm-hmm. It's there's nothing scary or gross. Well, there's a line about he'll rip your throat out or something. But yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did go to Trader Vic's in London one time, but did I, you? I, I didn't have a pina colada, or see a werewolf. But darn. Yeah, I was it's, looking. It's all time. I, I, I was hoping. Yeah, yeah. Werewolves are monsters, though, aren't they? I mean, just basically by by definition. It, it may have been too early. You know, they don't come out. You know, and until... if it wasn't the full moon. Yeah, I didn't check. Yeah, yeah. It could have been the wrong moon phase. Uh, <laughs> it's all timing. Yeah. yeah. Um, as it turns out, Jackson Brown was one of the producers on this record. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And yeah. he had also worked with like Linda Ronstadt and Jennifer Warnes. And it's it's like the music industry seems to be almost incestuous. Um, it, you know, everybody. Well, you talk, you mentioned Waddy Watchell, yeah. Russ Kunkel, the the studio play. They're still going strong. They're still in demand. Yeah, yeah. they're still playing. They're actually out with um, Leland Sklar, one of my favorite bassists. The guy with the beard plays with Phil Collins. Oh, you know, okay. They have a band and also, nice. yeah, those nice. people are still active. So, very cool. But it, it's partly self-referential, uh, according to Warren Zevon's autobiography i'll sleep when i'm dead the dirty life and times of warren zevon which now i have to get that book because i've never read it uh it it, it's kind of self-referential as to his restlessness and he was also diagnosed as having ocd so Hmm. this this could be you know all part of it but Definitely a what the absolute hack because yeah. <laughs> it's so upbeat and it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> so definitely that's it but I still love Warren Zevon I wish I had seen him perform mm-hmm. or met him mm-hmm. before he died or something but yeah didn't get to very cool definitely uh no kidding thumbs up yeah yes all around right. Awesome. Good. And that's good the picture. polite way to put it. That is a polite. <laughs> yeah. We're nothing sure. if not polite. <laughs> Most of the time. So, well, sometimes. On the Every air. Every once in a while, we're polite. On the <laughs> air, <laughs> we're polite. That's, that's kind yeah, of well, a, yeah. what the? Uh, we, we can be polite. We, we are capable yes, of we sometimes yes. pretending to act like we're polite. Yes. Yeah, when, when we want to, it's we just 
don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much work. <laughs> but we know how. We know. Yes, how. we do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Neil, you're up. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Talk about you know dark, twisted humor and Uh-oh. juxtaposed against a poppy melody. But the song I chose is called Marie Provost by Nick Lowe. Now, Nick Lowe, we've talked about him, I think, on the show before. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1949. He's a British musician, singer-songwriter, and record producer. Uh, probably best known for his songs Cruel to Be Kind, which was a top 40 single here in the U.S., and I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass, <laughs> which was a top 10 hit in the U.K., uh, as a producer, he worked in the early careers of The Pretenders and Elvis Costello, among others. And uh, Lowe even wrote the hit What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding for Elvis Costello. Again, with the unnecessary parentheses, What's So Funny About mm-hmm. Peace, Love, and Understanding. But Why? We'll Why do that. people we'll... do that? No. No, because apparently it makes a hit song. But uh... anyway, he was also <laughs> a member of the band Rock Pile with uh, guitarist and singer Dave Edmonds. Uh, His self-produced solo debut LP was called Jesus of Cool, and that's where we get the track Marie Provost. And it was released in March of 1978 on Radar Records in the UK. And here in the States, the album was renamed Pure Pop for Now People, and it came out on Columbia Records. So let's move on to Marie. Marie Prevost was born Marie Bickford Dunn in 1898, and she was a Canadian-born film actress. And during her 20-year career, she made 121 films, most of which were done in the silent era. She was discovered by Max Sennett and appeared in many of his short comedy films. Sennett was famous for his slapstick routines that were seen in the Keystone Cop films. Now, in 1922, she signed with Warner Brothers, where she found fame as a leading lady. But by early in 1926, she was let go by Warner Brothers, due in part uh, with the advent of talkies, and her voice, let's say, did not exactly match her good looks, and it was described as a Bronx honk. Oh yeah, uh, right. it did, didn't really translate into uh, that into would only work films. in certain types of films. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she was also starting to get a little older, so uh, she was relegated to mainly secondary roles. At the same time, she had experienced a number of personal problems, including the death of her mother and the breakup of her marriage. And she began drinking heavily and binge eating, and the result of both of those made it even more difficult for her to get any acting jobs. She made her last film appearance in 1936. But the years of self-abuse took its toll. In 1937, police were called to her rundown apartment building after neighbors complained about a dog that wouldn't stop barking. Once inside, they found Marie, unfortunately, dead of acute alcoholism at the age of 38. But as time passed, the sad and lonely tale of Marie was all but forgotten. Until 1959, when it was resurrected by author Kenneth Anger, when he released his infamous book, 
Hollywood Babylon, in which he exposed, in tabloid fashion, many of Hollywood's more sordid scandals and tales. Anne Marie was one of his subjects. And I quote from Anger in the book, Her half-eaten corpse was discovered in her seedy apartment. Her dachshund had survived by making mincemeat of his mistress. The accompanying photo was captioned with two words, Doggy's Dinner. Ew. And, and when Nick Lowe heard the story, he was inspired to write a song about it, and that's what we're about to hear. It's a masterpiece of dark humor with an unforgettable chorus. She was a winner that became the Doggy's Dinner. Oh, boy. Did <laughs> it, Maestro? All right. Mary Provost did not look her best The day the cops bust into a lonely nest In the cheap hotel up on Hollywood West sound yeah i told you i told you i had one that would beat the uh, the cat story so oh yeah you win <laughs> yeah. well, even even little doggies have to eat now apparently kenneth anger never let the facts get in the way of a good story Oh, okay okay so the truth is 
that the poor little dog named Maxie did not really devour Marie, but was only trying to arouse his sleeping owner, and the teeth marks that they found on her body clearly indicated that the animal had only tugged at his mistress in a futile attempt to wake her up. And in so fact, sad. and in is. fact, you can see from the photo in the book that Marie's corpse is intact. So, and, and as but far still. as accurate, and, and as far as accuracy goes, yeah. Lowe even mm-hmm. misspells her last name in, in the title of the song. He spells it P R O V O S T, not P R E V O S T. And okay. so it goes. But there is a silver lining, if one can really be found that uh, Marie's death uh, prompted the creation of what is called the Motion Picture and Television Country House and Hospital that offers services such as temporary financial assistance, case management, and residential living for those in the film and television industry who have limited or no resources. That's good. Mm-hmm. So it, um, it does make you sit there and go, what the heck? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, back then, you know, they got paid to be in a in a movie, and that was it. Right. No yeah. residuals. No. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there was. Yeah, so, there was no. Uh, and you no were, royalties. Yeah. Uh, and Mercedes is more the expert, but you were contracted to a studio, right? And you got a salary, no matter how many. For a lot of them, you got a salary, no matter how many movies you were in. Mm. They just put you to work, and you got paid for the year or whatever yeah. it was. Well, it's also how the the, the transitory nature of fame too. You know, you can yeah. be. Uh, Top of the heap one day, and you know, in the dustbin the next. Yeah, so. and you can't like gain 150 pounds either. Right. Well, that didn't help. Like no, I said, no, you unless know, you want to be a character actor only kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there, there were a lot of factors working, you know, not in her favor. But, right. Uh, but that was but, a good yeah. one. And I, Nick Lowe yeah. played in uh, Tarrytown a couple of weeks ago. I happened to go see. Right. Him. Yeah. Oh, so good. That was a great oh yeah. Show. It was with great uh, show. with the uh, one of my other. Favorite bands, Low Straightjackets. They uh, were great too. As yeah. Back. yeah. Oh, I love them. So yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Mercedes and I saw, you know, Nick in the the Straightjackets, um, like probably you know three three or four years ago now, pre uh, pre lockdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And up at Daryl's house, and it was oh, mm-hmm. it was so so good. I've I've so seen Low Straightjackets on their own numerous times, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, add him into the mix, and yeah, it was great. a great show. That was a lot of fun that night. Oh, I yeah. bet I would love to see him. Yeah, I think he's playing again uh, somewhere in Manhattan coming up this summer. I think maybe at the uh, rooftop uh, on Pier mm-hmm. Seventeen. I think so. Check nice. that out if yeah. you can. Worth checking out. Very cool. All right, definitely. A no kidding. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're gonna take a long nap, leave some food out for your animals. Oh, that's that seems to be the running. Uh... See, the thing is, like anybody who loves animals, I don't see why they would find that offensive. I wouldn't. If you're dead, why should you care? Aren't aren't cats more likely to you know probably. chew you up than a dog? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're the unfortunate uh, you know deceased, I don't think it matters one way or no. the other. It's it's the the, the people have to. Uh, how should we say? You know clean up after the mess you know? yeah 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 so wrap but, yourself uh, but in that that really it really didn't happen <laughs> that way but it, right. it, it sure makes an interesting song so and, uh, wrap yourself in a hefty bag yeah because on murder in the hudson valley we 
advocate hefty bags. I was going to say this, it's a Leave couple of food these out things. For your dogs. <laughs> what, what show? Oh what God. show are we on here? Rock and roll yeah. history? Or, or There's a lot of overlap here. We should have had Linda on here with us. We should have. This is a lot of alley here. A lot of good advice here on the rock and roll history show. You know. Hefty bags, you know, leave food out for the pets. That's one of our running jokes is we're, we're trying to get Hefty to sponsor Murder in the Hudson Valley. But I don't know if they want to have themselves associated with with that use of their bag, but it does attest to the quality of the product, really, when you yeah, think about it. So. Yeah. But, you know, that's a discussion for another if, time. If you, yeah, if you want to promote that sort of exactly, uh, yes. you know, that's behavior. Why I, but... They may not be on board with such a thing. No. But it never hurts to ask. You never know until you try. Right? <laughs> All right. There's, we're a, there's a market for it. Yeah. That's true. We're going to take our uh, second quick break, mm-hmm. and we're going to be back with uh, John selection. So stick okay. around. There's more coming up here on the Rock and Roll History Show. HudsonRiverRadio.com Hi, this is Big Jim Wheeler. You know, I grew up on a farm as a kid, and, well, back in those days, we didn't have much TV to watch. So as a family, we'd sit around the radio, and we'd listen to those old shows. Well, I've become a huge fan of those classic radio shows, and I'm thrilled to share my personal collection of original broadcast recordings with you. Well, we got old Western superheroes, classic stories. Oh, we got them all. Check out Hudson River Radio's Classic Radio Theater. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. This is Big Jim Wheeler signing off and hoping you enjoy the show. Subscribe to Classic Radio Theater on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit secumd.org today. Hi, this is Mercedes Kent. Join me for The Silver Screen with Mercedes Kent, a weekly talk show about films, celebrities, and all things entertainment. Big Jim and I will catch you up on the current top 10 in the movie theaters, interview some people in the biz, and fill you in on what is hot. So come have fun with us right here on HudsonRiverRadio.com. Entertainment ensues. Subscribe to The Silver Screen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. HudsonRiverRadio.com. Once the mics are hot, you can't stop. And welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show. Tonight we're talking about uh, songs and stories that make you go, uh, no kidding. <laughs> and I would say everybody uh, knocked it out of the park so far. <laughs> okay. Well, and, I, I'll... Uh, yeah, we're up to John. Here we go. All right. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to live up to Neil's, uh, uh, you know, Neil's, Neil's uh, selection there. So this is the, taking a decidedly different turn, I should say going a little bit into gospel and country for my selection tonight. And I know this is a rock and roll history show, but still it's an interesting story and it's an interesting song. Well, the um, roots of rock and roll lay that, in, in gospel and country. So mm-hmm. there you go. That yeah. is very true, Neil. Thank to- you. Totally, totally legitimate. Yeah. Thank you. So anyway, I'm doing a selection tonight by Randy Travis. Uh, Randy Travis, born in 1967, and he's had a very interesting up and down musical career without going into tremendous detail about his life. Uh, You know, after uh, some early starts doing some gospel and singing in his local church choir, uh, he tried to uh, get started in, in terms of fame in the 1980s, and he was continually rejected in Nashville. 
uh, you know, in the early days. But he uh, dug in his heels and he worked hard. And I uh, want to talk a little bit about tonight's song is Three Wooden Crosses, because our, our theme tonight is basically songs with a twist, songs with a huh. And Three Wooden Crosses, it's actually has a, it's a pretty upbeat song. It's an upbeat theme. It's a little bit of sadness to it. But it does have an interesting twist at the end of it. And uh, which is one of the things that I kind of like about it. Uh, and then after the song is over, I'll say a little, a few more things about Randy Travis because uh, he uh, he he struggled a lot in life and uh, he has not had a lot of success. Although this song is one of his successes. So without further ado, I know we've been talking a lot about different pieces of music. Brian, let's go right into Three Wooden Crosses from Randy Travis. <laughs> A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher Riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico One was headed for vacation, one for higher education And two of them were searching for lost souls That driver never ever saw the stop sign Eighteen-wheelers can't stop on a dime There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them Heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that farmer left to harvest a home in 80 acres The faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart And that teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children And did her best to give them all a better start And that preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land as he lay his blood-stained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that blood-stained Bible up for all of us to see He said, bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher Who gave this Bible to my mama, who read it to me There are Three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, now I guess we know It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go There are three wooden crosses on the right side of 
Okay, that was Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis. It's interesting that uh, he has this uh, career in gospel uh, gospel and country, I should say, because his own life has been, he's had a bit of a checkered past. He's had a lot of run-ins with the law, a lot of alcohol-related incidents. He's been arrested a few times. Uh, he was even uh, once uh, charged with making terroristic threats to police officers. And uh, in his career, yet uh, in spite of all that, he had some uh, some serious success here. This particular song, Three Wooden Crosses, came out in 2002, and uh, it became a country music hit and gospel classic. And it was released in collaboration with Warner Brothers Nashville and Word Records. And it later became the first Christian label single to reach the coveted number one on the country charts. A little bit of background about the song itself. Travis did not write the song. Uh, songwriters Kim Williams and Doug Johnson created the song that captures the power of faith and redemption. So that's basically the theme behind the song is that faith and redemption, which I think a lot of people kind of... Uh, catch to you know hold on to i should say uh one of the kind of a an interesting thing about uh, randy travis was in july uh, 2013 he actually suffered a massive stroke and uh had to go through several years of rehabilitation to try to relearn how to sing and how to play the guitar again he did however uh, he has tried to come back with a lot of backup support and uh, he's had some small degree of success in that regard but he continues to struggle but uh, in spite of all those struggles he's had songs like this and uh, i thought it fit the bill tonight because it has that little bit of a twist to it if you don't pay attention to the music you miss it and you know obviously this one uh if you do, do you pay attention you explain the twist at the end for anybody Ooh, who I missed thought, it i thought you were gonna call me out for missing the twist oh okay uh the <laughs> The twist, I thought, Brian, I thought you had said it there, but... Uh, I I'll, did, I'll but we were off the air, and I wasn't going to say that and blow your okay. cover. <laughs> I was going to let right. you so, surprise everybody, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, the tw the twist there was the preacher talking about all of this, uh, you know, all of, the, of all these individuals and what they left behind uh, when that bus crashed on its way to Mexico was the son of the lady of the evening, and she was the one who gave him that Bible, and that Bible was given to her by the preacher um, before he died in that uh, car in that crash so the twist here is his redemption where this preacher's mother she had this very checkered life but she was able to to raise this child who became uh, himself a a preacher and a man of god mm -hmm. so i thought that was kind of an interesting piece about redemption yep little twist at the end i like that yes so, okay. And Randy Travis has one of those voices that you know it's him as soon as yeah. you hear the first note. Yes. So. He's very, very, very unique. I have not heard uh, his uh, anything that he's sung uh, uh, past 2013, so I can't say how he sounds now. He, he's been on stage. He'll do a couple of words here and there, but he's not singing. You yeah. Know? I thought no. he had a second stroke. I thought he kind of came back and then... I think he might have. He, I could be wrong but, about that. But. Yeah, but he never quite recovered from that initial 2013, I think, no matter how you do it. And yeah. uh, give him a lot of credit for trying. But Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, this had an, this this one I like because of that twist. So that was a good hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you. A no kidding thumbs up? Yes? Oh, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, good. I like that Thank one. You. That was a good one. Very cool. All right, one more to go. Are you ready? Yeah. This one has a couple turns in it, so. Oh, Brian. Stay with me. <laughs> but it's a good one. It pays off in the end, especially for three of us, and, and you'll see why. Uh, we're going back to the late 1800s now, uh, when the body of an unidentified woman was pulled from the Seine River in Paris. 
It was customary. La, yeah, well, I'm going to say it like a stupid American, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I am. <laughs> say the same or the, or the insane? Lassen. 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 Sen. Did I get it right? Yes. All right. Good. <laughs> that and fries are the two French words I know now. <laughs> oh, my. So, ooh la la. Ooh la la. Three. <laughs> So at the time, oh, uh, it was customary to place unidentified corpses on display at Notre Dame in hopes that someone would identify the person. Uh, but no one, nobody came forward. No one was able to identify who this woman was. The pathologist in Paris at the, at the morgue noted that she was quite attractive and she had a very calm, serene expression on her face. He commissioned a death mask, which was, again, standard at the time. I still find it a little bit creepy. This corpse is hot. Let's make a mold. I think it's awesome, but that's so, me. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it depends <laughs> on your approach. But he was a pathologist, so we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> at this point. Uh, so a death mask was uh, was made. Word got out about this unidentified, attractive woman, and soon there were casts of her death mask hanging in places all around Paris as artwork. Um, there was no obvious cause of death. There was no trauma to her body. There was speculation of suicide, maybe some kind of poisoning, nothing proven. Um, there has been some speculation afterwards of fraud, given that even after she had allegedly been in the water for an extended period, she wasn't bloated. She wasn't yeah. squishy. You know, corpses fall apart much faster in the water than they do yes. on land. Yeah, it she... does not do pretty things to a... No. Exactly, uh, exactly. But this this woman was in, in almost pristine shape. Hmm. Or, you know, no deformity, anything like that from being in the water. So some people are kind of casting doubt at the origin of the story, but we'll see. Uh, her image spread across Europe and then over to America. There were poems written about her possible backstory, which nobody knew, so it was all fiction. Uh, there were paintings done based on her beauty. There were stories written based on what people thought her backstory might be. Uh, one example is an English author named Richard La Gallienne. He wrote a novella called The Worshipper of the Image. That's about a poet who is obsessed with wanting the death mask to open its eyes. And when it finally does, a moth flies out of her mouth. That was the inspiration for a very famous movie poster in 1991. Yes. Yep. Anybody mm -hmm. want to take a guess? Silence, Silence of the Lambs. Of the Lambs. Silence yeah. of the Lambs, right? Jodie Foster, the female face with the moth covering mm. the, the mouth. That's right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to jump forward to 1950. And Dr. Peter Safer, S-A-F-A-R, he was encouraging the training of CPR to ordinary people. So in a previous life, I was a paramedic for way too long. I was a medic instructor. I taught way too many CPR classes. <laughs> um, that's how I met Gail and, and John, former yep. EMTs as well. Um, but in the 1950s, Dr. Safer's approach was considered a bit controversial because people in the medical community thought that it was way too advanced and stupid people wouldn't be able to handle this. <laughs> but Anybody who's taken a CPR class, even back then, remember the ABCs, airway, yeah. breathing, circulation, yeah. head tilt, chin lift, remember mouth to mouth? 
We're all old enough to have trained on mouth to mouth. Yes, yep. which I remember I, that well. I had never done to any. <laughs> I had never done mouth to even mouth to mask no. at the time when that took over. It was still I used, gross. Yeah, I used to carry one of those mouth so, shields. Yeah, even that. No, oh no, not nowadays. <laughs> nope, nope, never did that. Um, and chest compressions. You do chest compressions on somebody who's lost their pulse. And, you know, at the time, the medical community said, uh, you know, pounding on somebody's chest with your bare hands is far too advanced for your lay person to figure out, which is, of course, ridiculous. Yeah. But now it's staying alive, right? Now, actually, staying alive is considered too slow. The the tempo's been picked up a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah. Believe it or not. That's why people tire out so easily. Yeah. You need somebody to take over. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so you're supposed to swap out once every they round. Get, once they gave me a song, I was like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, staying alive is just over 100 beats per minute, so that was the goal. Now they want you to be closer to 120, so close enough. Mm. Any march will do at 120 beats per minute. Yeah, <laughs> 120 is pretty much every disco song, you know. She's a brick. <laughs> house. house. You got to compress in between the brick and the house because there's like, like that gap in lyrics, but don't yes. stop the compressions in there. All right. Maybe. Or just sing a march. Maybe. Sing a march. Do a little John Philip Sousa kind of thing. I wonder how many beats per minute in Ramon's songs. Because they're usually pretty fast, right? Oh, my God. Well, if I was a guy, just start playing them and I'll resuscitate immediately. I'll resuscitate in a minute. There you go. Nice. So, anyway, Dr. Safer would hold conferences encouraging training of CPR to lay people. And he wound up asking a Norwegian toy maker named Asmund Leyerdahl to design a life-size mannequin to use for CPR training. Anybody in the medical field knows the name Leyerdahl. Um, He started as a toy maker, and now Leyerdahl is a huge medical company. So they switched from toys to something else. Side note, so did Glock. Glock was a toy maker, and now they make something that creates demand for layered all's products yes exactly <laughs> um so uh layered all actually uh, took the job was very excited to take the job because he had a two-year-old son that had to be resuscitated after a near drowning himself mm. so the job was just perfect for him he was very happy to do mm. it so layered all was designing the mannequin he decided to make it a female thinking that men would be, would, would feel a little too awkward practicing mouth to mouth on another male yeah. mannequin, which he's right. I roll. Exactly. <laughs> I know, right? I know this is a shocker, but men are stupid, and <laughs> Laird always pretty much right. <laughs> I have a feeling. Well, it, 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 it depends on who was administering the. Uh, We're talking know. 1950s, 1960s at that point. Okay. I think. Oh, yeah. It would have been. Uh, got it. Yeah, it I got you. It would have been. A, it would have been a tough yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. I got you. So he decided to make the mannequin a female. Laerdal also knew the story of this unknown woman from Paris, so he decided to make her death mask the mold for the CPR mannequin. He wound because up, everybody was in love with her. Because everybody was yep. in love with her, even 50, <laughs> 60 years later. Uh, he decided to call her Anne, and he called the mannequin Rescue Anne, later changed to Resusa Annie. And if you're watching on Twitch, there's the bottom half of an old Resusa yes. Annie, the two legs standing in the corner over here, because... Somebody lost the top half, so they were going to throw the (laughs) bottom half away. And I said, no, you're not. (laughs) So uh, half Annie has been living here for five years (laughs) in the studio. So that's where she came from. In various places. In various Uh places. Yes. For the first two years, we used to, you know, hide them and and scare people. (laughs) 
to be yeah, legs. Nothing like, yeah, nothing like turning on the lights and there's a I'm pair dying. of legs sticking out from behind the uh, Yeah. I'm dying to make the a door. planter out of that. I yep. think that would make a, an awesome planter. Oh, it's yours. Don't worry. <laughs> I think we've That's... all been scared by her at some point. Yeah, COVID put an end to that because you know, everybody kind of went remote. But... Maybe I'll bring a fake plant in. To... I think you should take Annie home tonight. I you my apartment is small. Okay, <laughs> it's like no thank well, you. Well, she's standing. She doesn't take up that much room. Oh she doesn't gosh. need a chair. <laughs> we should discuss this another time. I yes. suppose. Right. Mm. Yes. All right. So now you have Rasusa Annie, and you have the face. You know where that came from. So nowadays, when you're training somebody on CPR, you find somebody unconscious. You come up, you tap them on the shoulders, you shake them a little bit, you say, "Hey, hey, are you okay?" And then you know, go get help. All that kind of stuff. Well, originally. People were trained to go up and tap the mannequin and say, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? That uh-huh, might ring a bell. I see where this is going. Not, mm-hmm, right? Okay. That wasn't mm-hmm. when I was being trained. No, this was old. Yeah. Annie, are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay, Annie? The problem That's is that when me. people go into panic mode, like your layperson doing CPR, you do what you were trained to do. Yeah. So you would go up to anybody laying on the ground and tap them on the shoulder and say, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Even if it was a 250-pound bricklayer. Annie, are you okay? Are you? And if he was okay, you'd look up at you and go, who's Annie? <laughs> so the training was changed to, hey, hey, are you okay? <laughs> right? Which is Let's shorter make it to a, begin with. Yes. And a, it's, it's a little less personal, but it still gets the point across, right? So now in 1984, Michael Jackson was taking a CPR class. And this was at the time before it was changed to, hey, hey, are you okay? Around the time it was mm. changed. Um, so Michael Jackson was taught to say, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? And in 1987, he wrote a song called Smooth Criminal. And he put in the lines, Annie, are you okay? Yep. Are you okay, Annie? Uh, it was on his album Bad, and it hit, nine, uh, hit number seven in 1988. Alien Ant Farm did a really awesome cover. They did a cover great cover of it. Of yep. this, yeah, they yeah. too. But we're going to go to the original, the Smooth Criminal mm. one, the original Michael Jackson one. Mm-hmm. And now you know where that line came from. So. I always wondered about that line. <laughs> it, there you I was go. was like, what is that about? Yep. Who's Annie? So. Now you know who, well, we call her Annie, but we still don't know who Annie was. Yep. Still don't know who she is. We I still hate don't know that. who she is. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So let's check out the original Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. <laughs>
You wondered where Annie came from. She came out of, how do you say the river? La Seine. She, she came out of La there. La Seine. You know, I, I honestly didn't know the rest of the lyrics. I, I know the song really well, and I could hear Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Mm -hmm. But as mm -hmm. you were playing it, Brian, I was looking at the lyrics, and it actually does tell the story of a crime. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I had no idea. So... Yep. I think it goes with a lot of the other songs that we've talked about tonight that are horrible, <laughs> but uh, very upbeat, you know, nice, nice song that's, mm -hmm. that's upbeat and uplifting about some horrible scenario. <laughs> um, there you go. What a positive twist on a tragedy. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. so. And I would, I would also like to add that when I worked for Glimmer Glass Opera, I was trained in CPR. I felt so sure of myself. I said, I am certified to resuscitate a dummy. <laughs> That's it. I, Not a person. Yeah. Well, nowadays it's compression only CPR for yeah. training. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the mouth. Uh, just even it's been 30 something years for me. And even the thought of mouth to mouth back then was like, oh, yeah. No. yeah. Nope. And well, actually at the training at the time, remember, everybody used to use the same mannequin. Mm -hmm. You take an alcohol prep pan, yeah. just wipe it off yeah. and let yeah. it air dry and you'll be fine. And even now, so I'm like, yeah. what were we thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Just, I remember that well. Uh, and then mouth to mask, you got the mask. Oh, it's got a one-way valve. You'll be fine. No. <laughs> no. The three of us in the room that have actually done CPR, is it ever clean and fine? No. no. Is it? No. Number one, no. they always fall between the toilet and the wall. Yeah. Always. Funeral, That's the number one spot. Funeral you have directors to... <laughs> complain about that. About yeah, what? Yeah, don't forget uh, the about, puke. About, don't forget the puke. Oh, I was getting to that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ab- about collecting deceased persons when they're called because you know somebody always has to be on call because people don't just drop dead between nine and five on weekdays and um of course one of my many groups i belong to on facebook is the morticians and funeral directors oh jeez. well because i have friends that are in the industry you picked the wrong job <laughs> you, i you did i seriously yes. did um <laughs> But, yeah, I think if we just send in the dog and the cat, they'll take care of everything. <laughs> no fuss, no much. No. Send in Happy and make whatever the dog's name no, was. No, my, yeah. my one Close the door friend, for a week. Dachshund, yeah. yeah. My one friend who's in the industry has pet pigs. They'll eat everything except hair and teeth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those are light. Julia. You know, fuss, yeah. fussy. Need, yeah, exactly. All you, need is a, all you need is a small hefty bag for that. And, and then her, on your way out. And her good. one daughter's in mortuary school in Pennsylvania now. Yeah. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. So that—that's how I hear about all these complaints about where a decedent is located when they have to oh, come yeah. pick them up. Yeah, that's—I mean—that—that's story for another show, I guess. Yeah, I took—I took it as sorry. I took an infant CPR class, and mm-hmm. literally the next day, I went to like a play group that we all went to and our, our babies were all really small and um, we were all sitting around and <laughs> one, of the, one of the children started choking. I literally like less than 24 hours had taken this class and I remember standing up screaming, she's choking. <laughs> like that's all I could do. That was yep. like the only thing I could do. Thankfully, her mother was a nurse who like ran over and oh, she was good. she was fine. It, it's but I was one I of was those compl- things. It's was, it's all muscle memory. It's doing it yes. over useless. and over and totally useless. <laughs> yep, you fall to the level of your training, so they say. So yes, if you always. practice over and over, then you know it's a good class to take. But fortunately, it's, now it's like yeah, I, said, I think what what is it nine one one? Is that what you yeah yeah. You just, but it, Dial. Depends, it depends on where Dial. you are, you know. Nine nine nine. Really, nine 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 is UK. <laughs> yeah, that's UK. And just you know, nine one one and standing there doing nothing isn't doing anybody any good. No, right. that I'm not. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know, yeah, in in the uh, in the heat of the moment, you know, the the whole idea of of hygiene kind of goes out the window if you're gonna, you know, save oh. somebody's life. Oh no, it doesn't. Oh, no, I wouldn't know. No, no, no. You need to uh, protect yourself, especially when you're working somebody who is actually actually starting to go into rigor. But you have to keep going because the family can't produce a do not resuscitate paperwork. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yep, that's a whole. Well, that, that's. I'll leave it to the professionals. I'll just, yeah, that's a whole other conversation I'll, I'll, that I'll we just can let have another be. time. But on yes. a side this note, show, this show has been a little bit dark. Uh, very. A little. Yeah. Yes. But I am looking it up, and uh, "Smooth Criminal," the Michael Jackson version, is 118 beats per minute. So you can do CPR 
It's a smooth criminal. You just, now, just got to crank it up a little bit. The alien, just a little bit. The alien ant form one is even faster, I think. So, yeah. Uh, you know what? We have it. Let's. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> so I would say some proper planning. 126 beats per minute. Yep. So that's uh, there you go. So just sing smooth criminal. Do you, do your to or go to more wind band concerts. We play lots of things where 120 <laughs> is like nothing. I mean, there you go. You know, 140. That's our average, I think. Wow. You don't want to go too fast. You know, you got to be in the pocket somewhere. Faster, better. Up to well, a point. we we don't have a choice. You know, the composer writes it. I actually one of the pieces we just played was quarter note equals 140. So 140 beats per minute. I'm like, no, please. Oh my goodness. But, yeah, it was fast. Yeah, cool. If I'm going to be doing CPR on somebody, I'm going to need a song that I know better than Smooth Criminal. <laughs> we'll, we'll find um, Stars good. and Stripes Forever is 120. There you go. You could do, it should uh, be. You could if, do it, overture, if it's not, it's too slow. You know what I would do is Overture 1812, and every once in a while, I'd just stand up and go, boom, <laughs> and then go back down and start doing compressions. That'll again. wake them up. Yeah. <laughs> Because if nothing an... else, you'll get somebody's attention. Yeah. <laughs> but is there an Alice Cooper song that I can use? We're gonna have to do oh, some digging. I'm sure. We're, we're gonna. I, ne- we're off next week, but the following week, we're gonna be back with a list of appropriate CPR songs. Yes, songs that are 120 beats that's per amazing. minute. That's yes, amazing. All, I love all that. songs that are 120 beats per minute. I think that's our topic for two weeks. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I think it's time to pull the ripcord on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, all right, that was a good one. Actually, oh I was going to say one little side thing that Michael Jackson actually got a patent from Smooth Criminal in the video. If you watch the video, if you remember, that one of the dance moves is they do this really uh, far lean. They mm-hmm. lean over really, really like further than mm-hmm. you would be able to do normally by yeah. standing there. He actually patented a device. Yeah. Basically, it's like an anchor that's bolted to the floor, mm-hmm. and his shoe has a little bracket in it. Yep. So as they're dancing, they click their shoes onto this yes, bracket, I remember which allows them to yes. lean over and do that that extreme lean. So I'd still end up breaking a hip, probably. Yeah. Well, mm. you got to make sure your shoes are tied. I would imagine, or else <laughs> the shoe's going to stay put, and you're going to face plant. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would probably. And don't be forget to visit our Etsy shop and get your. Hudson River Radio merch. That's right. Yeah, customized merch. You can put on it whatever you would like. And actually, we're going to be at the um, Mount Kisco Farmer's Market this Sunday. on uh, What is that? The 10th, July 10th coming up. So we'll be there. We're going to have some uh, some merch on Super Sale there and a little bit of something for everybody. So, mm-hmm. all right. Good selections all around, I think. So definitely a good time to, to exit while we're on top. <laughs> yes. So thank you all for joining us here on the Rock and Roll History Show. Don't forget to subscribe to all of the podcasts that we do here at Hudson River Radio. We have a little bit of something for everybody. We will be back in two weeks with a new show. Uh, all songs, I guess, with 120 beats per minute. I that guess. That could be fun. I think that so. Be fun. That'll Absolutely. Be fun. We'll yeah, discuss. Be fun. We'll discuss. Yeah. I think we can pull that off. So. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Have a great couple of weeks. And we'll see you when we get back. Until then, peace out, everybody. Okay, bye-bye. Woohoo!